You open your eyes and see a light once hidden behind darkness and shadows. You see a peace in the serenity, in the calm. I see a training for the trial, the enabling of God. You see a storm, waves of suffocating sorrow which threaten to smother you. I see an anchor, a hope. You see mistakes and failures, baggage and pain. I see influence, a microphone. One day you'll open your eyes and see potentials expired, and time is up. But I see the echoes in eternity, a work finally finished. Listen, focus. A light lies hidden beneath the darkness of shadows. See the things unseen. Eternity now, to the eyes of a lion. Good morning. Cindy and I are on our way back from having our youngest graduate from Nyack Christian College. Now, I don't think I'm old enough to have all of our kids out of college. Cindy might be, but I'm not. But it has been a special weekend to be with our girls and parents celebrating Mariah. As you gather this morning, we are on our way back to be with you to celebrate Dick Schrader, a life lived well. Today, we are pleased to share with you a message from Fresh Church with Levi Lusco. It's a difficult but timely message from his series, Through the Eye of a Lion. Uh, part one is on tap for today. It's hidden in plain sight. Uh, over the summer, when I'm away, we'll be continuing on with the rest of Levi's series. So feel free to experience the other parts, but remember, we'll be experiencing them together uh, throughout the summer. Uh, each one of us, uh, no matter where we are in life, are either coming out of a difficult time uh, or in the middle of one or on the edge of one. Uh, they all come in different sizes and shapes and with varying intensity of pain and anguish. And I appreciate that as you hear some of Levi and Jenny's story, you'll quickly realize that what he's talking about in this message series is so much more than just talk. He's lived it and continues to live it. Remember, today's message is not just about filling a Sunday when I'm away. It has a lot of thought, prayer, and anticipation behind it. We want you to bring you the best we can someone who wouldn't necessarily be available to come in person. I trust that you will not find watching a message on a screen an obstacle, but in just a few moments, you'll settle in and engage with a speaker that has a life-changing message for all of us. All right, well, welcome to part one of Through the Eyes of a Lion. We are so excited to have you here. No matter where you are, or, or who you are, or what is going on in your life right now. The Bible says that the righteous are as bold as a lion, and we're believing that God is going to do incredible things in your life through this study together. Amen? Amen. And I emphasize, no matter what you're going through, because this that we're, we're, we're going to talk about, that we're going to study, was, was born of difficulty in our lives, in our family. In 2012, uh, our second-born daughter, Linya Avery Lesko, uh, Linya Lyon, uh, whose, whose eyes are on the bottom uh, of the book cover, uh, this is the full picture, uh, she um, had an asthma attack. 
and it was, it was just a, a, a normal night until all of a sudden we, we ended up in a tragedy. And Linya, uh, after a, a painful time not being able to breathe, eventually stopped breathing, and, and then her heart stopped beating. And uh, on, on that cold Thursday night in December, uh, she went from our lives uh, to the arms of her Heavenly Father. And we're so thankful for the peace, and we're so thankful for the hope that we have in the midst of, of those dark days. And yet, I, I won't hesitate to tell you, uh, the experience was and remains the most difficult, painful thing that we've ever gone through in our lives. It, it hurt like hell. It, it was scary. It was, it, was, it was sad. It was dark. We were afraid, but we weren't alone. And in the midst of that suffocatingly difficult time, God was there, and he gave us peace, and he gave us hope, and he gave us strength, and he continues to give us strength as we continue to move forward one day at a time. And our mandate from heaven, our, our, our God-given assignment, I believe, was to take the lessons that we learned and how he brought us through it and, and to give it as a, a field guide, as, as, as our notes from, from the fire for other people going through difficult things, uh, that they could have the benefit of what we had and, and, and continue to experience. And uh, not, not that I wanted to provide the world with another manual on how to suffer, but that we, my wife Jenny and I, we felt like uh, God was gripping us just with the greatness of his calling and to, to share that with people, not in spite of the difficult things that they've gone through in this life, but, but, but in, in the midst of those things, almost better because of the difficult things. You, you see, I, I happen to believe that whenever God allows us to face impossible pain, uh, like, like someone baking a, a file into a cake and sending it to someone in prison, God slips incredible power in as he approves the transaction, as he allows the difficulty to go that he doesn't cause, but as he allows it to come our way, he, he slips into it the ingredient, so to speak, for us to be even more powerful than if we hadn't gone through it. And, and so my prayer for you, regardless of what you've gone through in this life, in this brutal and savage and, and, and uncharted terrain that is suffering, my prayer that whether you've lost a job whether you've lost a friendship that used to mean a lot to you, whether you, uh, you, you had a dream that you believed was gonna come to pass and it seems to have fizzled to nothing under, and under, under your nose, my, my prayer in, in the grief that you've gone through is, is that God would help you to see that there is power in the pain, that suffering is not an obstacle to being used by God, it is an opportunity to be used like never before. If you will look at it through the eyes of a lion. And I, I just want to say that, that, that Jenny and I, our, our, our prayer for you is that your eyes would be open to the glory of God like never before, that your, your, your heart would be filled with, with the hope and the, and the peace that he alone can give, and that your hands would be strengthened with the same power from the Holy Spirit that raised Christ Jesus from the dead. That's our prayer over your life. We're just believing that God's going to use this to impact you in a significant, life-changing, never-be-the-same kind of a way. And I want to say um, that if you're listening to this message and, and you find yourself just completely disconnecting from it, 
Because you're sitting here and you're going, oh, wow, that sounds terrible. I can't imagine. It. Oh, gosh, I hope I never go. But, but you completely can't relate. And, and you feel like, like well, that, if I ever go through something like that, that'd be, I'll, I'll, maybe I'll pull this series back up and listen to it. Let me, let me, just, let me just tell you this, that the time to, to, to learn these lessons, the best time to learn them and to hide them into your heart would be before you ever go through something like this, not afterwards. Let, let, let me say this, to, to, to wait until you go through tragedy, to wait until you go through something dark, that's, that's a bad plan. You see, suffering is powerful, powerful. My experience, Jenny and I's experience, is that, is that grief, is, you know, beyond drugs and alcohol, there's probably not a more powerful mood-influencing thing you can go through that impacts you physically and spiritually, emotionally, psychologically. I, I mean, it, it, makes, it makes your mind race, your skin itch, your stomach fall, your eyes burn, your brain hot. It is, it is unbelievable to go through it. it, is, it, is, it when you're going through it, it, it's hard to believe you'll ever be not that way again. It, when you're going through it, it's hard to remember ever not being that way before. And, and, and so to, to be going through all of that, that's hard enough with the lessons inside your heart. To, to wait until you get into the midst of it to, to explore it and to unleash it in your life, the power of hope in a, in a significant way, that would be sort of like waiting to learn to swim till you're tossed out of a helicopter into the open ocean in the middle of a storm. You see, it'll, it'll chew you up and spit you out. And so, so my prayer is that if you don't relate to this, if you can't say, yeah, I've been there, I've, I've experienced significant pain because of when I got laid off, or because of this, or because of that, or because of when death impacted my life, I, I pray that you would, you would lean in and take extra notes, and with an extra vigorous spirit, you, you would want to see God bake these things into your heart. My prayer, and I just keep coming back to this, is that this, this content would be for some, like a Trojan horse that would be taken into the city gates of your life though you don't feel like you need it nor fully understand what's inside of it. And then just when you need it, it would come bursting out. The soldiers God would deploy into your life to do exactly what is needed when you get to that day. And I say when you get to that day. Not, I didn't say if you get to that day. I said when you get to that day. Suffering, what did I say, is powerful. It's also not optional. It's also not optional, Right? No one gets off this globe alive, last time I checked. That means that every one of us and everyone we know and love will die. The only question is when, how, and in what order. And so we desperately need these truths, amen? Before we open up God's word and begin this first message, I'm gonna ask my wife Jenny to come lead us in prayer. Would you welcome her, Jennifer Lusco? It's been an honor to suffer with you in this way, love. Would you lead us in prayer? Yes. Father, we thank you so much for your love and for how you view us, how you look at us, and how you just have love in your heart for us. And Lord, we just thank you that, um, that you have led us, that you've led us through um, difficult waters, the, the worst kind of waters, but... Um, but we are thankful and we love you and we thank you that you taught us even beforehand um, to hold on tightly to you in the storm. And so we thank you that, um, that through this series, um, through this book, Lord, that you have so much for every single person and the, the things that you're gonna do 
in our lives, the things that we've gone through, painful things now, but also for the things that are coming. Lord, we just want to be ready and we want to train for the things that are coming that will be difficult and will um, kick us in the gut and take us to our knees. And so we just always want to be um, tightly holding on to you. And so we just, we lift this series up to you. We pray for this. We pray that you would go before us and that your will would be done, that people's eyes would be opened to see who you are and also to see themselves and the situations that they're in for your glory. We thank you, God, in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Thank you, love. All right. Well, there's no way we can cram 200 pages of, uh, of, of content into, into four talks. And I've already used almost half my time for this one. So three and a half talks. Uh, so I, I do hope and pray that, uh, that on your own, you'll continue to read the whole book and, and discuss it in small groups and continue to go through these things. But what we can do in the, the four talks of this series is give you four of the big ideas, four principles from the book Through the Eyes of a Lion, beginning with this first one that I'm going to title Hidden in Plain Sight. Hidden in Plain Sight. That's a way of describing something that's right in front of you, only you just don't see what you're looking at. In 2011, the FBI uh, ended the most extensive manhunt in the Bureau's history when James Whitey Bulger was, uh, Bulger was caught, uh, the, the mob boss from Boston. Uh, he was finally caught. Uh, he uh, was on the run for 16 years. It's a long time. When he found out he was going to be arrested, he, he fled, and, uh, and, and he was finally caught. Uh, get this, he spent a majority of his time on the run uh, at the number two spot of the FBI's top 10 most wanted list. Number two most, most wanted man uh, by, by the FBI. Number one was uh, Osama bin Laden. So he was second only to Osama in how badly the Federal Bureau of Investigation wanted to find this man. And when he was finally caught, when he was finally found, he wasn't in some cave in some far off country. He was in Santa Monica, California, living three blocks from the beach in an apartment. <laughs> Hiding, 60 minutes reported, in plain sight. They interviewed his apartment manager. They interviewed his next door neighbors. And these people, they had no idea. They had no idea this guy had $800,000 socked away inside the, the walls of the apartment. They had no idea he, was, he had an arsenal of, 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 of semi-automatic and automatic weapons and hand grenades. They had no idea that, that Johnny Depp was going to be cast to play him when the movie of this man's life was made. They, they had no idea that he was wanted in connection with over 19 murders and that he won at one point in his life, put, had someone killed with his own hands and then took a nap right there. He was just, 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 just that much of a psychopath, sociopath, that he was that much of a bad man. What did they say? What did they say? What did you know about this man? They said, we just thought he and his girlfriend were just retired and living the dream. They said, what, what sticks out to you about him? He was nice to cats. There's your first tip off that something's wrong. <laughs> no, I'm just, I'm just joking. I'm just... I'm just joking, because lions are cats too, so we have to be kind to the lions. But let, let, me say, <laughs> let, me, let me say this. These people were looking at him, but they had no idea what they were seeing. They were looking at him. They saw one thing, but what was really there was another. And what I want to explain to you in this first talk is that that is constantly happening. First thing you need to know, looks can be deceiving. In your life and in mine, Looks can be deceiving. We can be looking at something, but not seeing what's there. And that means that we cannot trust what we see with the naked eye. 
Let me show this to you in scripture. This is 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 18. It says, so we don't look at the troubles we can see now. Rather, we fix our gaze. Everyone say, fix our gaze. Fix our gaze. We fix our gaze, meaning it was broken, but now it's fixed, but we're also choosing to fix it. By choosing to fix it, we are fixing it. You see, we fix our gaze on things that cannot be seen. For the things we see now will soon be gone, but the things we cannot see will last forever. What's Paul saying? Paul's saying you can't trust your physical vision. You can't trust what you see and the decisions that you make based on it. If all you look at is what's there, just know you can be deceived by looks, by what you're looking at, for things are not always as they seem. Now, in, in everyday life, that's even the case. We can be looking at something, but what's right in front of us, we don't even see. Let, let's talk, biologically speaking, about, about eyesight for a moment. When we talk about eyesight, what we're really talking about is light. Light, light that's entering the eye through the cornea where it gets uh, to the pupil and, and then it's, it's shined by the lens onto the rear wall of your eye, which is known as your retina. The retina is covered, uh, this tissue, the retina is covered with photoreceptors called rods and cones. Everyone say rods and cones. Easy way to remember it is shower rods and traffic cones. I just get those two pictures in my mind that I remember how the eye works. Because your retina, the rear wall of your eye, which the lens shines this light that came into the eye through the cornea and then goes through into the pupil and then it gets shined through the lens onto the back wall, it's, it's bouncing off of rods and cones. Now you have 120 million rods. And rods are amazing, but they, they generally uh, look at shape. That's because rods are colorblind. Rods can't see color. They just see shape. But you have more rods than cones. Cones are more sophisticated in that they can see color, but they require more light before they can be activated. So if, if the light's dim, let's say you walk into a movie theater, or you want to get dressed in the morning without waking up your spouse, right? So, so you do so without turning on the light. You can see the shape and the silhouette of your clothes, but you're colorblind. That's because there's not enough light entering your eye to power the sight that we know of as determining different colors, you see? So when you are in a dim environment and you just see shapes, you're just using your rods. Your cones can't activate. Cones can see color, but they take more light. Now, how, how this all works, this light that comes in through the cornea and into the pupil is shined by the lens onto the back wall of the retina where the rods and cones act like film and they take these pictures. They take what you see and they send it to the optic nerve which exits the back of the eye on its way to the brain for your brain to process all this information it's receiving, okay? Now, now what's crazy is that where the optic nerve leaves the eye, there are no rods or cones. So at the back of your eye, you're technically blind. At the, at the precise spot where, that, where that, uh, that, that nerve leaves your eye, on both eyeballs, you have a blind spot. Now, here's an interesting way that you can actually see this. If you take uh, just a piece of paper and you take a marker and you draw two dots, like four inches apart or so, and you close one eye so that you are only looking at one dot with one eye. So I'm gonna show, shut my left eye, look at this left dot. If you start to pull it away at a certain point, that dot on the right will enter your blind spot and disappear. Now that's constantly happening, but with both eyes open, your other eye is seeing and filling in the data for what the other eye's not seeing, and it sends it to your brain, and your brain just puts together a whole picture with no blind spot. But technically, what you're seeing with each eye at each point, there's stuff you're, like right now, I can't see that dot. 
but it's there. I just can't see. It's there. Isn't it there? I can't see it, though. I can't see what's in front of me. Why? Because it's hiding in plain sight. So it is spiritually at all times. So it is spiritually. There are things in front of us, Paul is saying, unseen things constantly around us. We just can't see them. Why? Because we have a blind spot. How did that happen? How did that happen? Uh, It happened in the garden, the garden of Eden. Genesis chapter three, remember that story? We're told there in Genesis chapter three, then the serpent promised. What did the the serpent, he said to the woman, you will not surely die. You will not surely die. For God knows that in the day you eat of it, this tree of knowledge of good and evil, your eyes will be opened. Your eyes will be opened. You'll become like God, knowing good and evil. Satan told us to do something God told us not to do, and he said if we did so, if we listened to him, our eyes would be opened, and we were tricked, and we were made, in a sense, blind in that spot instead. It was a botched LASIK procedure deep inside the recesses of our soul, you see? Yeah, our eyes were open to sin and to shame and to death and disease and to embarrassment and to loneliness and to guilt and the things that God never wanted us to experience. That's what Satan gave us. He gave us a blind spot. Adam used to walk with God. And can you imagine that? Adam, every day God would show up. Adam and God would just walk in the garden during the cool of the day. But we haven't seen God ever since. No man in this fallen condition with this blind spot in our soul, can see God. So looks can be deceiving. As a result, we walk around oblivious to much of what's going on. Oh, we click our pictures, double-click on, on Instagram, scroll, scroll, double-click, scroll, scroll, double-click, scroll, scroll, double-click. But, but as, we, as we have our sips of latte and go watch our movie and read another issue of whatever magazine, we, 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 we have no idea that much of the time who and what is watching us and what is actually happening. Looks They can be deceiving, which is why we need to know this. Second point, eternity becomes visible by faith. Eternity becomes visible by faith. You see, understand this. Faith is sort of like a telescope. Faith is a telescope that allows us to see things that we can't see. It gives our naked eye assistance. It allows our our, our naked eyesight to see through something else that helps us out because of what happened at the fall. And that's why 2 Corinthians 5, 7 says, we walk by faith, not by sight. If you walk around just trusting what your eyes are seeing, your blind spot will continually lie to you. But if instead you pick up the telescope called faith, and instead of just trusting what you see, you walk by faith and not by sight, well, that changes everything. Because that's, like that's like having night vision on inside your soul. That, that allows you to see in the dark. It allows you to see stuff that your rods and your cones could never process. When you walk by faith and not by sight, when you look at people, what are you going to see? You're going to see potential. When, when you look at people, you're going to see that they are destined for impact, that they were made in the image of God, that there is amazing potential packed inside of them. You're going to look at people and realize there's no ordinary person. You've never met a normal person in your life. Everybody you see is, is a royal priesthood, a, a chosen generation. You're going you're to look at people and understand they're destined for impact. So to borrow words from Loki, brother of Thor, you're going to look by faith at people and see someone who is burdened with glorious purpose. 
What are you going to look at when you see problems? Problems in life. You're going to look at these problems and you're going to remember God has a plan. That God has a plan. You're going to look at problems and you're just going to automatically believe and assume that he's working things together for your good. When you look at things with a naked eye, not so much, but when you look at stuff through the lens of faith, you're going to, you're going to not, you're going to not, you're not going to get discouraged because you're going to remember that he has a plan. How about when you experience pain? When you experience pain, you're going to believe that God is going to give you great power because it is a grace to suffer. And along with suffering comes the grace to go through it and to get something out of it. God's going to do great things through the pain and that you're not alone in the midst of it. And the same God who walked with Adam in the cool of the day, when you go through what you're going through, he's going to walk through it that you can say, I know that you're with me. I am not alone, and I will fear no evil, even here in the valley of the shadow of death. Through faith, eternity becomes visible. When you operate with the the telescope of faith, you know that what you see is not the end of the story. Third point, know this, nearsightedness must be constantly corrected. Nearsightedness, that's our problem, right? Nearsightedness is where you see stuff up here fine. It's stuff far away that you can't see. That's essentially the same thing as our blind spot. We see, we, we see things here on earth perfectly vivid. It's physical. We can, we, can, we can taste it. We can touch it. We can go there. We can buy that. We can, we can do that. But it's the, it's the far away things or things that to us at least seem far away. God, he seems distant. Heaven seems mysterious and far away. And if we're honest with ourselves, scary, right? And so what happens is, is that we walk around nearsighted, bumping into things and not making the wisest decisions. But with, when you choose to, to put on the telescope of faith, that's when you see vividly. But, but here's what I need you to know. It's not a one and done sort of a thing. You have to constantly, constantly put on put on the, 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 the telescope of faith, or, or to use another example, to put on your glasses. If, if you wear glasses, you have to put them on every day. And at nighttime, you take them off, and so you have to put them on every day. I think sometimes the mistake we make is, oh, I gave my life to Christ. Uh, he, he came into my heart, and I, I can see. I, I, I came to faith, we would say. But we also need to put on faith each and every day. We need to once again choose to believe, once again choose to believe. We have to constantly be correcting this nearsightedness inside of our soul. We have to make the choice to not rely on the naked eye. How do we do that? Listen to me carefully. The battle for your eyes is one through your ears. The battle for your eyes is one through your ears. Listen to Romans 10, verse 17. We're told, so then, faith comes by, everyone say it with me, hearing and hearing by the word of God. The battle for what we see is one through what we hear as we hear God's word preached, as we hear God's word spoken, as we hide God's word in our heart. I, at one point, I had, and these glasses were new, a problem where they kept falling off. Every time I'd wear them, they'd just be falling off my nose, and I got so irritated. I didn't want to preach for them. I didn't want to wear them because they would just slip down. They would slip down. They would slip down. So finally, I took them in, because this is not a great look. Let's just... <laughs> I mean, I could be a librarian, nothing offense any librarians, but I, it's actually plugging my nose. I can't really breathe right now. But they kept slipping. And isn't that annoying? You have to just keep doing that all the time. It's just, and, and, and so I finally go into the store and I say, can you fix these? These are, 
These aren't working. They just keep falling. And he goes, well, what do you, what do you want me to do? I said, could you make the nose tighter? Because that was my thinking. My thinking is they keep falling, so this is a problem right here, right? If they're falling down, problem's here. If you make them tighter here, they'll grab on. <laughs> grab on up here. And if, that, if they can grab on tight, to, I mean, it's crooked. It should be fine. I have a giant nose that's crooked. They should be fine holding on. But no, and, and he said, that's not the problem. I said, what do you mean? They keep falling. He goes, the problem, problem's not right here. I said, I, I'm kind of the customer, sort of always right, grew up going to Burger King. The problem's right here. And he goes, no, the problem's your ears. I said, okay, I, 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 what's wrong with my ears? <laughs> no, I got a crooked nose. What's wrong with my ears? Jenny, what's wrong with my ears? And, and he said, no, you don't understand. The, the ears sort of act as the anchor. The ears act as the anchor. If I can just change how these things interact with your ears, everything will change with your eyes. It's the same way with God's word. We think the problem's right here. God said, no, problem's right here. If your faith is slipping, maybe your ears aren't listening. If, you're, if, if your faith is, is falling, maybe it's because you're not letting God's word fall into your heart like seed. We cannot see what God wants us to see if we don't hear what he has spoken. It is written, it is written, it is written. We gotta daily be hearing the word of God in order to deal with the things the enemy is bringing against us. Nearsightedness must be constantly corrected. That's the third. Seeing the invisible is the fourth. You can do the impossible. Seeing the invisible, you can do the impossible. You see, if we only look at what we can see with the naked eye, we will lose heart. But if instead we pick up the telescope of faith and we choose to believe what God says instead of what we see, the, the, the outcome of that is that we will receive incredible, incredible power from God. As we see the invisible because of what he's speaking to our ears and we're hiding in our hearts, we will find power rising inside of our lives. Isn't that what we find in Hebrews 11, which I think they call the, the hall of faith? It's all these stories of people who, who did things that we go, man, that's impossible, right? Some in the actual, literal sense, like that's literally impossible, right? Like, uh, like the, the walls of Jericho falling, you know, or, or, or Abraham and Sarah having a baby when they were super old. And we would say that's impossible. Other things are like, man, that's impossible in the sense that they just, they're, they, how could, I can't even believe that, that you would be able to do that, right? And, and, and so we have this incredible record, and yet it's the hall of faith. And, and isn't it just telling that these, these great exploits uh, were caused by faith in the hearts? Uh, here's a, a couple examples. Hebrews 11, verse 33 and 34, it says, by faith, they, they subdued kingdoms. They worked righteousness. They obtained promises. They stopped the mouths of lions. You want to stop the mouth of a lion? Then you got to see life through the eyes of a lion. It's, it's going to be faith that's going to give you strength. They quenched the violence of fire. They escaped the edge of the sword. Out of weakness, they were made strong. In fact, they became valiant in battle. They turned to flight the armies of the aliens. And so when we choose to walk by faith and not by sight in the moment each day, doesn't matter how good you did yesterday, you got to do it again today, just like the manna that they had to throw out each day, except for on Sunday, except for the, the, the Sabbath day. Well, our Sunday, we would say, is the first day of the week. Their Sabbath was Saturday. But, but except that was the only day you got a double, the double, the double eating. 
You gotta eat what's from yesterday. So I think there's something to be said there for being in God's house with God's people together. There's something of a, of a double portion that we get out of that. So what we do every day is important, but what we do together on the first day of the week as we gather, there's an extra importance there, you see? And, and as we're faithful to, to walk by faith, to listen to God's word, what's gonna happen is, is this invisible, this superhuman sight is gonna unlock supernatural strength. And not just that it's always gonna end pretty. Those examples were awesome. I mean, if we were making a movie, we'd pick that for the trailer, you know? You ever see a trailer and you feel like once you finally see the movie that you saw the whole movie in the trailer as far as the good scenes were concerned, right? Other times you're, you're pleasantly surprised. Well, well, those we just picked, stopping the mouth of the lions, quenching the flame of fire, escaping violence through the edge of the sword. Those are the examples of, of what we would put in the trailer. But faith will give us strength to do things like this too. Verse 37. They were stoned, they were sawn in two, were tempted, were slain with a sword. They wandered about in sheepskins and goatskins, being destitute, afflicted, tormented. How, how'd they do all that stuff? By faith, by faith. So whichever way it goes in your life, on any given moment, sometimes it ends like the scene that we put in the preview, other times it ends like real life goes. But no matter what, by faith, you can trust God for the power to go through and to get through what you're going through and to get something out of it. And that's our testimony. That's our report. That in the darkest day of our life, when we went through something that we, we wouldn't have even chosen to put in our worst nightmare, it would be worse than that, you see? That, that, that right there, as we chose to believe, to not just look at what we were seeing, but at what God was saying about it, that we didn't lose heart, we were able to take heart. We were able to do what to us would be the impossible because we endured seeing him who is invisible. And he gave us peace that passes understanding. He, he gave us strength in the midst of the, the battle of our lives. He gave us joy unspeakable and we had an anchor for our soul. Supernatural strength because of God-given superhuman vision. And so that means then that we can look at stuff and not trust what we see. So when we look at our lives and it just seems, even a couple years into it, like it's just, man, it's just a marathon. It is a marathon. It's an endurance sport. And when we feel like Linya, from her being a part of our lives, is getting further and further away, we actually know that we're moving the opposite direction. We're moving closer and closer and closer to her because our eyes are on Jesus. We're looking through this telescope of faith. We're not trusting what shows up in our blind spot. We're putting on these glasses one day at a time and then the next day and then the next day and then we believe that we can see Jesus. I know that you're there and I know that we're surrounded by a great Hebrews 12, one cloud of witnesses that surrounds us and we can run with endurance, not losing heart, with joy looking unto Jesus who's the author and the finisher of our faith. Wow, a lot to digest. I trust you're able to start seeing through the lens of seeing the invisible. You can do the impossible. Uh, nearsightedness must be constantly corrected. Eternity becomes visible by faith and looks can be deceiving. Would you please pray with me? Dear Grace Heavenly Father, we thank you that we are not alone in life when we've said yes to you. 
Father, we thank you that you are with us, that you love us, and we just ask that no matter where we find ourselves in our journal, whether we're uh, in the middle of a, a difficult time or we're on the front side or the back side, it, it, that you would be present and we find that you can help us see through the lens that Levi talked about. We thank you for moments like these that are real, that are honest, and can be life-changing. Help us to integrate these ideas, these truths, and concepts not just into our mind, but actually into our heart. We thank you for your love for us, and we thank you for the way it was expressed through this morning's message. We ask all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. At this time in our service,